Hello, everyone. This is LDS Real People, Real Lives podcast, and I'm your host, Stephanie Colvin, coming to you from Southern California, and thanks for joining. Uh, For my second episode, I wanted to talk about hope. The first one was about faith and tender mercies, and I thought that hope would be a great topic, especially with what we're dealing with now with the quarantine and the COVID-19 virus. Um, We've got a lot of things going on in the world, and this is what we expected in the latter days. And so I wanted to lead off with a quote by Elder Uchtdorf, and he says, Hope in God. His goodness and His power refreshes us with courage during difficult challenges. And I believe that that is so true. There is a lot to hope, and we need to make sure that we understand what hope is, how to apply it into our lives, and what it can do for us, and use it as part of our spiritual tool chest. Hope leads to courage. I love that statement. Hope leads to courage. We need courage in these latter days and the things that we are dealing with as we see the scriptures unfold before our eyes as the prophets of old who were able to see what we were going to be going through and enduring during this time. And they wrote about it in order to teach us. And I really think to not only help us to know truth and to help guide us, but also to share their love with us over time. In the Oxford Dictionary, the definition of hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen, a feeling of trust. Now, in the Bible Dictionary, the definition of hope is expectation, faith, and trust. And that's very important because as we understand how hope works within the gospel of Jesus Christ and his doctrine, um, hope can give us that extra oomph to make it through the hardships that we face while we're here and having these experiences on earth. In gospel topics found in the LDS Gospel Library app under Library, then Topics, then gospel topics and go to hope. It defines hope being the confident expectation of and longing for the promised blessings of righteousness. The scriptures often speak of hope as anticipation of eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. And the word hope sometimes, if misunderstood, has a hint of uncertainty, such as, I hope we receive rain this week or today. Whereas in the gospel, hope is sure, unwavering, and active. Prophets speak of a firm hope. An example of this firm hope we can find in the Book of Mormon, in the Book of Alma, chapter 34, verse 41. It says, But that ye have patience, And bear with those afflictions, with a firm hope that ye shall one day rest from all your afflictions. What a wonderful scripture that is. It gives us so much to hope for, to rely upon. And we know that we can rely upon our prophets both now and before to guide us in the way of not only righteousness, but also with the ability to endure and push through this experience. 
So we can have a firm hope, which is sure and wavering and active. And I liked it when they used the word active. Um, active is something that we have to do. We can learn about the teachings in the gospel, and we can listen to talks, and we can capitalize on all the resources that we have. But if we do nothing with that information, as we're taught so often within the church, um, that knowledge really doesn't do much good. So we must, must be active and we must act. We can have a lively hope or a living hope as taught in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I really love the scripture because, you know, this week as we prepare for a conference coming up in April of 2020 and doing the Come Follow Me, they've really kind of focused us on the resurrection. And as I've studied out the resurrection of our Savior and all that it entails, there was an interesting note in the Come Follow Me today that talked about how the resurrection is often talked at the same time as well as, well, in conjunction with uh, Judgment Day. And we will either be resurrected to eternal life or to eternal damnation. There's only two choices. And how are we going to have lively hope in our spiritual tool chest to ensure that we're resurrected to eternal life, which is our goal. And for those of us, you know, who are in the gospel, we understand the different degrees of glory. And so we want to make sure that as we live our lives, that we are focusing on the celestial glory. I know for myself, I want everything that heavenly father and my savior have to offer. And I don't want anything less and so I work very hard at it, but I'm not perfect. And I love this lively hope and to know that I can be forgiven through the power of the atonement and continue to push forward with all of my faults, all of my raw imperfections. And it gives me so much solace to know that they know my heart, they know my desires, and they know me probably better than I even know myself. And so I trust them. Lively in the Bible dictionary means living hope. It breathes. It thrives as we exercise faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ. For hope is an eternal principle, and it can sustain us through our everyday trials and hardships. It can give us a boost of extra energy and ability and I really want to take note of that word ability as we look towards hope in our lives, as we endure our days in right now quarantine. I'm in California and they just uh, yesterday closed all of the beaches and parks. It's really an attitude. And as we've all stayed home and we're not working, you know, it's been a wonderful experience. First of all, life the pace of life has slowed down and I really enjoyed that, but I'm also learning how to discipline my mind and how I think. Uh, 
um, and the focus and the direction that I want to go. I firmly believe in living after the manner of happiness. Now, for me, that doesn't mean that I walk around happy 24-7 because it's just that's not how I am. But I am looking for peace. I am looking for comfort and solace. I'm looking for succor. I'm looking to have a contentment in my life. And you have to be very proactive about that and very disciplined as we have thoughts that are shooting through our minds, probably thousands of thoughts every day, and we quickly decide what we're going to do with them. And so I try to make sure that I stay um, not only in the things that I watch and do and listen to, how I speak, but also my thoughts, um, you know, garnishing my thoughts. So the scriptures have many instances of teaching and telling us that those who have hope in Christ, the natural consequence of this is joy, is happiness. Uh, Being sons and daughters of a matchless Heavenly Father who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, Um, He knows everything that we need and everything that we want. We deserve to be happy when we understand our spiritual identity and who God is, even who Christ is, and where we came from and why we should be happy, why we should be confident in our lives, even when we make mistakes, because we can have hope and a sureness of comfort through all the storms and chaos of life. Through the atonement of Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven, and that gives great hope. The gospel, as it's set up, is all about hope. Nothing need be eternal when it comes to our transgressions, our sins, our mistakes, and errors. We're taught that in the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And this is the hope that is offered to us, that we can wipe the slate clean. God knew we would come here fallen. He's had the experience himself after all. He knew that we would need a redeemer to redeem us from our mistakes, our sins, our transgressions, and even our failings. Because of this, we have the perfect answer through the atonement, which is empowering The atonement does empower us to be Christ-like, to gain purification like that bit of silver in the hands of a silversmith. The atonement empowers us to be forgiven when we utilize it in our lives. And through the act of using the atonement, we have hope, bright and pure hope. I wanted to share a story with you as I've been doing my research and studying on the topic of hope. Uh, We have so many stories and talks that have been given on hope. And I wanted to share a story. Coming out of Africa, I've been really impressed of the work that's been done there and how the gospel has just spread in that area. And the people are so... Their hearts have been prepared, their minds, their spirits, they are ready. And it has just been growing at a really fast, accelerated pace there. And I had come across a story about a farmer. Now, his name is Philibert, and please bear with me as I 
I'm probably going to butcher some of these names, but I will do my best. His name is Philibert, and he spent many years studying the Bible and searching for a meaningful religion to call his own. After 27 years of looking for a faith in his home of Madagascar, he became very discouraged and vowed to end his quest. Um, 27 years is a long time looking for a home that he can uh, park his faith, that he can park his trust and confidence in that church, those people, and the gospel that they teach. Instead, Philbert put all of his energy into building a very large brick house. It was three stories, much too large for his family that occupied only the top floor. Uh, they're very humble people. They're very poor people. And to build a structure of this size was just completely unheard of in that area of the world. Now, Philbert said it would prove later to meet a need that he had not yet imagined. During that time, Philbert's daughter, Zarlise, brought home an unusual religious book while on break from her studies at the university. At first, Philbert was not dissuaded from his original vow to cease his search for religion. But he does remember being drawn toward the pages of the Book of Mormon. Uh, he says, quote, I felt like the book was calling to me. And that is the power of the Book of Mormon when it's in the hands of someone who is open and receptive to those tender promptings. Unable to ignore his feelings, he began reading the Book of Mormon and had a realization. He says, the Bible and the Book of Mormon complete each other mutually. It, the Book of Mormon, speaks about how to be happy and not to be in misery. End quote. I love that statement because I, you know, I've read the Book of Mormon about five or six times now. And I totally believe that that is true. That has been my experience is the Book of Mormon teaches nothing but what is food to the spiritual heart, mind, soul. And it reminds me of the analogy of the living water that comes only from our Savior, where we will not thirst again. The story goes on that Philibert wanted to know more about the church behind the book, but did not know where to find it. So he wrote a letter simply addressed. It said to the president, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, this was sent to the capital city of Madagascar, and the letter eventually found its way to the church's mission home in Madagascar. And that was about 175 miles from Philibert's remote rural village. By the time the Mormon missionaries arrived, Philibert and eight members of his family were ready to be baptized into the church. So they hadn't even taken a single lesson. The Book of Mormon alone, along with their receptive heart to the promptings of the Spirit and their faith. What a great recipe! A great recipe for finding truth and coming home to the gospel. The story goes on to say that the baptisms did take place in a river near his village on June 16th, and this was back in 2009. Uh, his daughter said that she was so happy to join, 
and quote, she talks about her father here, quote, his spirit is open. I can see that the church has sent divine help to the family, end quote. And she's talking about the missionaries. Initially, there was no meeting house in Philibert's village, but the home he felt compelled to build, so large, so big, turned out to be ideal for Mormon worship services. Now Philibert is currently the lay leader in his congregation and has been instrumental in its growth. Now a new meeting house is being built to meet the needs of more new members. Like I said, the gospel, the membership is growing at an accelerated rate in Africa. And I love the stories that are coming out of there. You know what's really cool about that story, too, is that he was building this house. And it just reminds me of probably Noah when he was building the ark. People, I'm sure, thought that he was crazy. What are you doing? He's spending night and day, night and day building this ark. And I'm sure that a lot of people in his tiny little village thought that, you know, Philibert was crazy building this big old house uh, because they were humble very poor people, and yet it served its purpose. And that's what happens when we are receptive to the Spirit of God. He leads us and guides us during this time, and we can always trust that. We can always trust Heavenly Father. We live in a time during these latter days of a lot of despair, questions, doubts, failing hearts, even faith challenges. Wickedness, it seems, is everywhere we turn in abundance. You just look around yourself and you can see a lot that's going on in this world. You know, they talk in the scriptures about wars and rumors of wars. We have corruption, death, and so much more ugliness in the world. Some say we have even surpassed the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah. And what does that say about us in this world? President Ezra Taft Benson said, this is the most wicked time in the history of the world. We have already surpassed the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah. The prophets had been shown our day and they knew our needs. End quote. I found that in the teachings of Ezra Taft Benson, his book in Lesson 10. These earlier prophets were shown our day and instructed from God and the Savior what to share in the scriptures, what we would need the most. You can feel their love for us through time. It's really amazing. And this, I imagine, is what living scriptures are. Hope is the answer to this evil and secret doings, the answer to all of the despair and wickedness we witness and sometimes are even at the receiving end of others' wicked choices because of a divine principle called agency which of course is the freedom to make choices and decisions for ourselves. Hope is the light that drowns out the darkness of evil for where there is light, darkness cannot and will not abound. I love that about the gospel. I love how everything is so direct and straightforward and black and white. There is another story that I'd like to share with you coming again from Africa um, it's about Dominic growing up in under apartheid. His daily existence was one of walking in fear. I can only imagine what it must have been like to live there and to be this boy. Constant violence, hostility surrounded him. 
as a small child. He recalls, it did not engender love or trust or stability or faith in humankind whatsoever. And that dismal view of life was the result of apartheid, said Dominic. An official policy of racial segregation involving political, legal, and economic discrimination against non-whites that took place in South Africa from 1948 to 1994. It's always so amazing the things that go on in this world and how we divide ourselves, how we attack each other, and... This is where I love the gospel, is that the gospel teaches us to be unified. It is in our unity that we have the ability to endure, to prepare the world for the second coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ, to overcome challenges, and it's also godly power. They had police attack dogs, which were trained to single out his race. Often young boys and men in his neighborhood were rounded up into police vans, never to be seen again. And can you imagine living under these conditions that you're scared to just even step outside your house? The story goes on to say the armed struggle against apartheid was talked about on street corners, in homes, and open fields in the segregated black township where he lived. He says, we were expecting the day would come when someone would give you an AK-47 and all you would do is shoot. It was assumed that everybody would participate. Dominic says he is grateful that day never came and that he never has held a gun. Dominic never knew his father, and he, he was allowed to visit his mother only three times a year because she worked as a servant for a family in Johannesburg, about two and a half hours away from his home. Black Africans were not permitted to venture inside the city without a traveling pass, just as whites were not permitted to go to black townships. He said it was only through the good graces of his mother's employer that he was granted visits with her at all. Dominic's bleak world began to change for the better at the age of 12 after witnessing something astonishing during one of the, vi the visits with his mom, a white female or sister missionaries from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints were given the permission by his mother's employer to teach her about their faith. Upon conclusion of the lesson, they lovingly embraced her. Dominic had never seen that type of affection generated from a white person towards someone of darker skin. He says, you don't understand how big that was, how amazing it was to see that, how shocking. It went against everything society had taught me. Dominic says each time the missionaries visited that week with his mother, he felt something that he didn't understand. He says, it was very foreign, but it felt good. It felt safe. I felt wanted. Later, he says that he understood that feeling to be the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And he was baptized and started attending church and was again amazed by the acceptance that he felt. He recalls, They taught the same thing to me as the white boy sitting next to me at church. 
that broke a lot of boundaries for me. That said to me in my heart and mind that we are all equal. More opportunities opened to Dominic through the help of church members. He was able to attend high school, a privilege not often given to children of his race. He served a two-year mission for the church. He attended college, married in the church's Johannesburg, South Africa temple, and has four children now. He has served in many callings in the church, including as the lay leader for his congregation, and continues to serve. He currently works as an employment manager, helping others find jobs. Dominant looks with humility and gratitude at all that he has achieved, and they are achievements that in his early life of strife and despair were not possible to comprehend. He says, the church rescued me, truly, truly rescued me, just like many other boys. And that is Dominic's story of faith and gratitude, and most importantly, hope. And 2 Nephi chapter 31, verse 20, this is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, We can press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope and a love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ, and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. I mean, come on, what a scripture. You know, I love that when we read the scriptures that we understand through our obedience, keeping the commandments and doing the best that we can within the gospel teachings that we will be promised to be blessed, to have blessings open up more than we can receive, to prosper. And you can see that in Dominic's story that that happened to him. Also, Philibert's story definitely happened to him. And so that's how important our agency is. As I understand more and more what agency is and how important our choices and decisions are, the consequences and how they affect our eternal life, I understand more and more that that is a divine blessing agency. So when we go back and we we consider the scripture, press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, I mean, steadfastness, we don't budge. We continue to exercise our faith unceasingly, having a perfect brightness of hope, because we know as we turn to the Savior, we always know that everything is just going to work out. We may not understand why or how or where or when, but we know what's going to work out and we know that they love us perfectly. I love it when they talk about feasting upon the words of Christ. If you really think of that word feasting, when you sit down, it always reminds me of Thanksgiving because we feast at Thanksgiving. We feast at Christmas and all of the food and how much we enjoy it, how great it tastes to be able to just see people enjoying the food too brings happiness to my heart. So when I feast upon the word of Christ is making sure that I'm doing the same with the word of Christ, that I'm doing the same with the the scriptures and what the prophets teaching and our apostles. And even when we're given talks on Sunday, uh, that's another reason why I love going to church. The talks that are given in sacrament are some of the most inspired 
talks given by the members, and I just thoroughly enjoy it. And I love that about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We must feast on the gospel to have the hope, the hope of God's light. When we feel as if we lack hope, and hope is difficult to find in our world and in us, which inevitably we're going to feel that way, and we may feel that way often, we can pray for hope. We can ask God, through the name of His beloved Son, Jesus Christ, for hope. We can ask Him to help us see it, to find it, to obtain it, or even to regain it. He knows our desperation and nature to have hope in our lives. It's, it's human nature to be hopeful. And the effects of hope, which can be the fuel for us to endure to the end, to make it through this time and trial on earth. Remember, hope helps us to be brave and courageous. Because we have hope, we can do as we are taught in Alma, chapter 34, verse 41, pressing forward in that steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ, and endure to the end, behold, saith, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. And that is the promise. So when we say ye shall have eternal life, really think about what all of that entails. What are the things that we are taught? What are the things that we know? What are the things that have been revealed to us about eternal life and why we work so hard? Because really, to be a part of this gospel, we are working so hard to be very different from the rest of the world because the gospel of Jesus Christ, the doctrine inherently will always be contrary to the world. In Lamentations chapter three, verses 25 through 26, it says, the Lord is good unto them that wait for him to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. I believe the teaching here is clearly that when we seek the Lord, any type of seeking and learning through faith, feasting as we are taught, part of the seeking we do because we have hope and are looking to nurture that hope, maybe even acquire hope, I know I have felt hopeless in my life many times before. I am sure that I'm not saying anything new when we talk about the dynamics of family relationships. They can be very challenging and emotionally draining as well as exhilarating and so very loving and rewarding. When I have felt that someone has cut me off and or doesn't make me a priority in their lives, it definitely hurts. And that pain will manifest itself in tears, sorrow, I'm sure anger, frustration. It is through hope that we can stomp out those tears, pain, anger, and frustration and replace it with peace, acceptance, and leaving the door open for the relationship to possibly improve over time, to once again be healed, or any variations of improvement that we hope to expect. I know for me it is in the acceptance of their decision that I pray for hope and peace, a humble heart, 
that if the day shall ever come that we can come back together in a loving, thriving, peaceful relationship. I know that patience is very important and we need to remember to be patient with these situations, to take tiny steps, not big steps, tiny steps as we move towards our goals. I pray that the Lord will help me to keep my heart open and available. And this process definitely leads to hope. Again, being patient, patiently waiting upon the Lord. We cannot be open and available to forgiveness and healing if we aren't humble and become meek in character. Meekness is definitely a key ingredient to our education partnered with humility. There's nothing that you cannot learn and acquire in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's sprinkle a dash of willing heart in there to amplify the hopeful, positive consequences. Hope is what keeps us going. It keeps us in this thing called life to keep charging and moving and acting. It is on each of us to make life what we want it to be from what's within our control and then give the rest up to God and our Savior, allowing them to take control of what's out of your control and having hope in them, which is trust. I came across this definition of hope in the Guide to the Scriptures. It defines hope as the confident expectation of and longing for the promised blessings of righteousness. We hope that through us making correct choices and acting on them, that we can have the attendant blessings that come along with our desire and decision to follow all righteousness. Hope comes of faith and makes an anchor to the soul. I love that statement, and I believe it's so true. When I left my second husband, I was devoid of hope. When we are devoid of hope, we can do very bad things and make choices that affect us in horrific ways. It is self-sabotage and pain that is the result of hopelessness, and I was miserable. Those around me felt my misery. It's really tough wanting to be around someone often who is miserable and radiates misery as they walk through life. So my existence to some extent was lonely for a time. It was one of my many Garden of Gethsemane experiences like Christ had, but it was my own experience unique to me. We all have them and we have them more than once. When I met Jed and fell in love, That love for him helped me to start seeing the sunshine, a light at the end of the tunnel, at least for the time. That love awakened my spirit and my mind to possibilities of a wonderful experience, and his love for me and my love for him gave me the extra energy and courage to continue to push forward and push along and give a willing attitude in my life to be proactive about my life and future, whereas before... The hopelessness I was experiencing, I could have honestly cared less. I reflect on that now and imagine how my Father in Heaven and Savior Jesus Christ felt knowing I was living and feeling this way, possibly even the desperation they must have had for me to bless my life and to help me understand this too shall pass. 
that they have my back and will give me the godly grace to persevere. As I shared my story of faith and tender mercies in the first episode of LDS Real People Real Lives podcast and doing research for this episode of Hope, it reminds me of the hope that entered into my life many times to help me keep going, to never give up, and to push to push with each step, with each thought of enduring and persevering in hope. When I left my second husband, Heavenly Father gave me a gift, and that was a gift of hope in a very worldly circumstance when I met Jed. It is Jed's spirit, his countenance, who he is and what he's chosen to be, his kindness, his love, his tenderness, his steady, loving admonition sometimes of my behavior, because I married up people. Make no mistake, he made me better. He's helped me to continue to become the fullness of my creation. And this is the hope Father in Heaven gave to me, and I feel it. I feel my Father's love. I know he loves me. And I know that he continues to try to bring me around and to find that narrow path of holiness and hope, which gives us the gas to continue to putt-putt along. Once again, we were given hope when Jed was baptized and given the gift of the Holy Ghost. We were set upon our path together of hope, love, righteousness. Again, I was given hope after the three months of pure hell we endured after his baptism, because remember people, there must be opposition in all things. When there is much good, there is the opposite to match. And the same with much evil. There is righteousness and holiness to match. I believe even greater than the wickedness could ever be. Hope abounds when you turn your hearts to Christ and look up, seeking God and Jesus in your life, setting on the path of obedience. Always hope abounds on these journeys, always, never failing. And yet again, hope as I quit smoking that through the power of the heavens, we can overcome our weaknesses and temptations that is part of this earthly experience so we can descend below all things in our unique journey as Christ has done, so that we may be able to ascend as Christ has done too. Hope was found again when I was able to stop drinking, when I was strengthened to implement the law of chastity in my life. Hope, love, tender mercies, and more hope. Hope is the joy we have when we live after the manner of happiness. What is living after the manner of happiness? It's choices, making good, right, holy choices for ourselves and our families. It is deciding to make our circumstances work for us and making the most of them versus murmuring, complaining, feeling sorry for ourselves. Remember, it is through the atonement of Jesus Christ, that great gift given to us through so much love and suffering, that hopelessness, pain, suffering can be replaced with hope, love, and joy. The hope of God's light is everything more powerful than any drug or anything the world ever has to offer. Spiritual light rarely comes when you sit in darkness. It takes an act of faith for God's light is real.
Thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to reach out on Instagram at LDSRPRL podcast for LDS Real People Real Lives podcast or email me at LDSRealPeopleRealLives at gmail.com. Stay healthy, stay safe, and remember to be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Until next time, God bless. Thank you.